in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let me summarize what we said last night because some of you were not here to continue our journey around or to reach full forgiveness in the end. We said last night that we have four main topics. The big title is forgiveness. The first type of forgiveness is how to receive God's forgiveness. And we spoke about it last night and I will summarize it in a few minutes. Then how we can offer forgiveness to others. And thirdly, how I can forgive myself. Sometimes I believe that I receive this forgiveness from God. I offer forgiveness to others, but still I can't forgive myself. And the last topic, how to release any blame from my heart towards God. Which in the West is used to be said, forgiving God. We don't use this term, but this is the way the address it in the West. So what we discussed last night, we read from John chapter 8, the story of the woman who caught in adultery. And how the Lord forgave her, and he told her in the end, and sin no more. But we discussed one major thing. The Lord bowed down twice, and he wrote something on the ground. And we connected this with what the Lord has done in the past. How the Lord twice, he wrote with his finger the, the law in the two tablets. First time it was broken because of the sin of the Israelites and second time he wrote it once more for Moses. And we connected this with the Ark of Covenant. So the cover of the Ark of Covenant is called the Mercy Seat. And inside this Ark of Covenant there was the two tablets. And the Lord was showing us that these two tablets saying we all broke the law. And the Lord is telling us the blood of the atonement sacrifice every year is sprinkled seven times over this mercy seat to tell us that your sins are covered. And he was just a symbol of the blood of Christ, not only to cover our sin, but moreover to erase all our sins. And then we saw how on this day it is for um, three major things to take off our uncleanness, our transgressions, and our sins. And the Bible insisted in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 16, these three things are done. And we found David was joyful for it. Despite he committed adultery as well, but he was able to see the three actions in his life. He said, Blessed is he who, whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. His eyes were focused on the atonement day. And he said, Now it's every minute, this atonement. Christ's action on the cross became an eternal act without ceasing. And it is forever as well. Then we moved on to see the nature of our God. <clears throat> His nature is, who is like God? Burning iniquity, passing over the transgression. And not only once. <clears throat> he said in verse 19 in Micah 7, And he will again have compassion on us. It is his duty. It is his pleasure. It is his delight. And then he was telling us, it's a promise for you. I have blotted <coughs> out your sins and then returned to me. And we saw last night that this promise that he has done it. He said, <coughs> Sing, O heaven, for the Lord has done it. And it's time to stretch out your hand and to enjoy this forgiveness, to be mine. And he said in Psalm 103 that our sins, as far as the east is, the, is from the west. So far, he put our sins away. St. Mark, the ascetic, was saying, No one is as good and kind as the Lord is, but he does not forgive one who does not repent. He is encouraging us to see the beauty of our God, who is, who is like him, who is burning, forgiving, and doing all things that we need. But it is now in your hand. We said before many times that repentance... Receiving anything from God is a divine human act. God has done his portion. It is your time to take your portion as well. 
And then we said how to enjoy it. If God, His nature is forgiving, is he, if His promise is to forgive, He blotted out already our sins, what I can do. And we saw last night that the reality is I can't make it. And St. Paul was, was saying that all have sinned and fall short from the glory of God. But then St. Paul is telling us, because you can't make it, Christ decided to unite you with Him, to be, to be in Him, and His acts becomes yours and mine. He says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, It is no, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. We are one. And then he said, he's offering this union through the sacraments. My baptism is a death and burial, a new start. I buried all my past sins. And then every time I remind myself with what I received through the Holy Spirit in the Holy Christian mission, I became consecrated fully to God. And my repentance and confession become totally different. It is a reunion, reconciliation with Christ. And my Eucharist becomes a new revelation. It is a miracle, church father called the miracle of all miracles. Every time I am united once more with Christ. Then we share this verse from Romans 6.5. How St. Paul is, was saying, if we have been planted together, sin fetus. Sin together fetus is planted. We are not aliens or strangers from the body of Christ anymore. And what he has done on the cross became an eternal act. And I decide when I join this eternal act. And we said that the word means in Greek, born together, joined together, implanted together, united together, grown together. But you can say easily, but I was just born 20 or 30 years ago. How come I was 2,000 years ago? And we said the actions of Christ are eternal. But we joined it in our time, but still the act itself is an eternal act. Then we saw that his continuous, uh, God's continuous action is, I blotted out your transgressions for my own sake. If you feel that you are too small, you are too sinner to be forgiven, it is not for you. It is for his name's sake and for his own sake. His nature, he can change his nature. Even if you, are, you feel that you are miserable and your sins are too many, and sometimes, I'm sure, every one of us has something that no one has done my sin. The Lord is telling you, whatever your sin is, I'm able to forgive you. Then you saw it's a covenant. He was giving a covenant. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. I will remember no more their sins. So it's a covenant from two persons, or from two sides. God has done his portion, and it's your turn again to enjoy the other portion of his covenant. Then you see there is a very important warning. God is a forgiver. God is ready to blot out our sins at any time, to enjoy this redemption, but take care. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And we connected this with Leviticus chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. And we said, Every single sin in the past for the sacrifice of sin, it should be unintentionally. Now it's intentional sin. That's why he's saying in, in Leviticus chapter 4, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally, so if he is a forgiver, don't misuse it. Don't abuse the forgiveness of God. Don't say, I'm going to confess tomorrow. I'm going to repent later. Because you are invalidating this sacrifice of sin. And then he was telling them at the, at the very end, Offer it as a sacrifice or a sin offering. There is no more sin offering. We are saying there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. We said don't take it as a license to, to sin more. It's a, a clear warning. And we said if we do it, if we have done it already, still there is a way. What is this way? You need first to confess your, your inconsideration this abuse of his forgiveness and then to repent for the sin itself that you are going to do it or you have done it before. And then we said, what is next? 
if you are coming this morning and you feel that your relationship are messed up and you can't forgive sometimes your very close people maybe your parents, your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter whatever it is the Lord is telling you there is something wrong you are not able to receive God's forgiveness yet St. Paul said in Colossians 3.13 Bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has complained against another even as Christ forgave you so you also must do what he is trying to say now you are saying that you are a Christian you are attending in the Coptic Orthodox Church you are repenting, confessing your sins, receiving the unity with Christ through the Eucharist and what else? Do you, are you able to offer forgiveness to others? if not, he's telling you, you receive nothing those who receive are able to offer to everyone we will discuss today how to take this next step but I would like to be sure that every one of us knew very well that God is able and willing and desiring to forgive our sins I'm sure as I said last night some of us never confessed their sins before and some confessed partially some sins we can't confess or we don't want to confess it but the Lord is encouraging us all we are not here just to discuss a topic you can read it on- online it's a-, a time to receive a real <coughs> freedom from the Lord when we pray at the end of each session it's a time to receive something from the Holy Spirit to break this bondage to break these chains maybe for years was were in my life but we are not here to repeat it again I'm not going to go home as I came before so what is next? it's time to offer this forgiveness maybe you are coming this morning and you feel that the whole world is against you no one loves you no one is able to communicate with you properly everyone has a fault in his communication with you but the reality is totally different you might be the one who is offensive others, offensing others, and you can see yourself. So let us take it step by step. But before that, let me share with you one verse. Can you open with me the book of Second Samuel, chapter 19? Second Samuel, chapter 19. Summarize the story first, and then we read these verses from chapter 19, Second Samuel, verse 24. The story starts in chapter tw- chapter 9. King David was seeking to do something good for anyone from the house of Saul. He asked, and he found out one of Nathan's sons still alive. His name was Mephibosheth. This guy was a lame and he has nothing at all. David decided to make a favor for him. He brought him, he gave him all what was owned by his father Jonathan and his forefather King Saul. And then he enjoyed a great thing. He was sitting at the table of the king every day before he was just missed out all his life was missed out in chapter 16 something happened Absalom the son of David came and he made a revolution against his father so his father fled because he wanted to kill his father in chapter 16 his servant Ziba deceived him he went with the king and left him away come here this is pity. And then let us read what happened in chapter 19. In chapter 19, King David came back after the death of Absalom. Let us read from verse 24. 2 Samuel 19:24. Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his moustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. It was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? 
And he answered, My Lord, O King, my servant deceived me, which is truly happened. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself, that I may ride on it and go with the king, because your servant is a lame. And he has slandered your servant my, to my lord the king, but my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore do what is good in your eyes, for all my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore what right have I still to cry out any more to the king? So the king said to him, Why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said you and Ziba divide the land. At the beginning he gave him the whole land. Now he is telling him, divide the land between you and Ziba, who deceived him. Then Mephibosheth said to the king, Rather let him take it all, and as much as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. Let me ask you one, what makes him so easy giving up half of his position, despite he knew it was a deception? Why? How he was able to, to offer such forgiveness? I have been deceived, and the king knows, and it's not fair for me, but I am ready to give not only half, even all. How you can make that same? Can you tell me? If I have forgiven, how you can forgive? Is it easy as such? You know, there is something very important here. He mentioned it many times in chapter 9, we didn't read it, and here he mentioned it once more. Four times in chapter 9. He said in verse uh, 28, Yet you set your servant among those who eat at the at your if you can see that you have been taken out of nothing, you were nothing, and you have been seated with the king on the table of the king, what else do you need? If you see what you have received while you have been totally forgotten, and you have no rights, Mephibosheth, and on that day he has no rights. He is the son of the enemy of David, but he wanted to give him something out of his goodness. If we can see that God is giving me total forgiveness, and he is seating you and me on the seat of the table of the king in every Eucharist, you will see everything else is too small. But as far as you refuse to see the greatness of what you have, you will be struggling to give up anything. Mephibosheth was ready to give all. Why? Because he was seated at the table of the king. Do you see the table of the king so precious in your eyes that you are ready to give anything else to see it too small? This is what this man has done on that day. Our journey today how to have this total forgiveness to others. The major point, the major, the big title is see what you have. See where you have been, what you have been forgiven. Then you will be able to offer any forgiveness. But if you can see it, then you will be able, you will not, never be able to give any forgiveness to anyone. So please increase your expectation to see the reality of what you have from receiving forgiveness from God. Then you will be able to offer this forgiveness. As I said, this is the biggest, or one of the biggest topics this weekend. So we'll have it in two, talk, two, two topics. The first one will cover only the first two points. We'll talk about what total forgiveness is not. Because sometimes you are, you are not able to offer this forgiveness because I'm mixed up. What does it mean? And then what total forgiveness is? Then how to make it? And the consequence if I cannot make it? And how to make it totally? So let us start with what is forgiveness is not. But before we start, let me share with you the words of St. Cyril of Jerusalem. He is teaching new believers, people who are not yet baptized. So this is what we should learn before we are baptized. 
He was explaining to them the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. We, for we have many sins. For we offend both in word and in thought. And very many things we do worthy of condemnation. And if we say that we have no sin, we lie. As John says, the offenses committed against us are slight and trivial and easily settled. But those which we have committed against God are great and need much such great mercy. He's telling again, what you have, what you received, the table of the king is the greatest in your life. Anything else is too small. Otherwise you can't make this forgiveness. So what forgive, total forgiveness is not? Maybe you are in this room this morning and you feel I'm not going to forgive because he or she will say that I'm approving what he or she has done. In John chapter 8, what we read last night, no one there she said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and live your life of sin or sin no more. What does it mean? He is able to offer forgiveness, but he doesn't accept or approve your sin. And we can do the same. I am able to tell you I forgive you, but I am not approving what you have done. What you have done is still there. That's why when we say God is forgiving us, but he doesn't accept our sins. He is giving us new direction. Leave your life of sin. Sin no more. Again, not to abuse his forgiveness. So what is not forgiveness? When I'm saying I'm forgiving you, it doesn't mean that I'm accepting what you have done. Think of your relationship with your parents, with your brothers and sisters, your colleagues. And let me stop for one minute here. Every one of us is thinking of forgiveness as an option sometimes. No. Forgiveness is a command, as we'll see in a few minutes. And I'm sure you say it many times in the Lord's Prayer. But in every relationship, we have past, present, and future. In the past, or for the past, I need to forgive. And it's a command. No way to escape from it. You need to forgive. It is a must. As St. Paul told us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. And this forgiveness is my own duty. The other person, whether he is so evil, or so bad, or so nice, he has nothing to do with it. I have to forgive him or her. And then there is a present. The present needs reconciliation. We need to reconcile. St. Paul says in Romans 12:18, you can't make it with all. Do it as possible. Sometimes it is a must. If it's my relationship with my wife, or with my parents, or with my children, there is another command telling me, honor your parents. Love your wife. So be submissive to your husband. If there is another commandment, I have to follow it. I need, we need both to work out this reconciliation. But in some other occasions, it's not a must. If he's a friend at work, or at uni, or whatever he is, it, there is no must in it. But the must, if there is another command to tell me, you have to honor your parents, you have to obey your parents. And for the future, we need trust. Trust, again, needs both parties to work on it. So for the past, we need forgiveness. And it's a must, it's a command. For the present, we need reconciliation. It's not a must unless there is another command, a relationship between me and my wife or my parents or my children. For the future, we need trust. So when we say forgiveness is not approval of what you have done, the Lord did the same. He forgave, but he didn't accept her to go any further in it. The second thing, to excuse what they have done or what they did. If you go to the book of Numbers, chapter 19, please open your Bibles. It's on the screen, but please open your Bible. Book of Numbers, chapter 19, and verse 11 and 12. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. 
So Moses can either say, yes, change him. I am with you. But he didn't. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these of this people, just as you have pardoned them from the time they left Egypt until now. He is not giving them an excuse. He is offering the forgiveness, asking for the forgiveness, but they are wrong. So, in the first time, the Lord didn't approve it. And here, Moses is not finding an excuse. When you give or offer forgiveness to your friend or your father or mother, whoever he is, you are not giving excuse for what he has done. What he has done or she has done is wrong. So forgiveness is not to excuse what they did. The third thing is not forgiveness is not justifying what they did. Maybe you are sitting and now your mind is rounding with old memories, with your father, with your mom, with your wife, or with your friends at uni, or with your sister or brother, whatever it is. And maybe these memories were too old, tens of years ago. And now the devil is saying, if you forgive him or her, you are justifying what he or she did. Justifying makes it right or just. If you go to Job chapter 40 verse 8, he says, Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? No. So it's very important to see that we are not justifying the other actions. Sin is sin. Wrong is wrong. And to forgive is not to justify what he did. If the Holy Spirit is telling something in your mind or a memory in your past, think of what we are saying. I'm going to forgive, to offer forgiveness, but I know that forgiveness is not justifying what he or she has done. I'm not going to pardon him or her. Burdening, forgiveness is not burdening what they did. What does it mean again? Burdening is to release the offender from the consequences like penalty. God has something to do. If someone has stolen something from me, or someone has done an accident by a car or whatever it is, with a civil rights, the law will do something with him. I'm not burdening him from what he has done. I can offer forgiveness, I can release him from anything, but still there is a civil light, rights. It's not my duty. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. As we said, unless there is another command to tell me, love or reconcile. And again, when we say reconcile, if it should be, it is within the right boundaries. Sometimes I have this problem with someone, I have to reinitiate the relationship, but I am sure, still, I have to put the right boundaries. I am not going to be deceived once more by this person. In Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, St. Paul says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sin against them, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's chapter 5, not 2. Be reconciled to God. This is what is commandable, to be reconciled with God. And then with any other member, forgiveness is not a must to reconcile, except there is another command, as we said. Denying what they did. Sometimes I feel that it's good to live in this denial, which is totally wrong. Don't repress what you have. You have real pain from your friend, if it's real. Because sometimes it's your sick imagination. There's nothing happened and you need some help to find out this sick imagination in your mind. So forgiveness is not denying what they did. I was hurt by the words. I was hurt by the actions of others. So, still now, we are defining what is not forgiveness. Blindness to what happened. If repressing is involuntary, blindness is voluntary. Of course, the Bible says in the very famous chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. 
But still, I'm not blinding myself what happened. I know what happened is wrong. I'm not going to keep the records as we discuss it later, but still I have to see there is uh, something wrong. If you remember in Matthew chapter 18, the guy was forgiven for many, for 10,000, and was not able to offer forgiveness for 100. His major problem is that he doesn't know what he needs to keep record for. Says the great master at the beginning of this parable, he sat down and he made an account. He knew what he has. He was not blinding himself. He was not denying what he has. And then he offered forgiveness. But you can't offer something you don't know what is exactly. Forgetting. Of course you have this big icon of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I forgive, I forget. Right? But we can't make it as such. He has the power. He said, I will remember no more. So, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, he said, For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. But we can't make it this way. So, forgiveness is not forgetting. We pray for forgetting, but it's not easy to reach. If you remember the story of Joseph, we discussed it today in the workshop, and in the second talk, he was saying, he called his second son, or the first son, Manasseh. Means, God made me to forget, but I can't make it by my own self. So if you feel that you are still remember what happened to you, you are able still to forgive. It has nothing to do with forgetting. So forgiveness is not forgetting. And you will see here, what the Lord has done, He chose. I will remember their sins no more. So God has made that choice, we have to make the same choice. Forgiveness is a choice and decision. I will repeat this more. Forgiveness is a choice and decision. It's not something you hear about it and that's it. You need to decide. You need to choose to be obedient to the word of God. Saint Gantius saying something quite nice. It's a very nice article you can read online. It's Resentment and Forgiveness by Father Damaxine. He's a Romanian Orthodox priest. He says resentment or rejection of love is reje- rejection of God. What is the relationship? Because God is love. God withdraws from a resentful person, deprives himself, him of his grace, and gives him up to spiritual death. Unless the person repents in good time, so as to be healed of that deadly mor- moral poison, resentment. It is death. So when we, I choose, I am choosing and deciding to live for life. Because I am in such this status. I need to be changed. Again, forgiveness is not refusing to take the wrong seriously. There's something wrong, I have to take it seriously. But still I have to offer forgiveness. We cannot truly forgive until we see the actual thing we are going to forgive and how serious it is. God did so. Christ didn't come to the cross to say that I'm going to die because I love you, but I don't know why I'm going to die exactly. And for whom I'm going to die exactly. He knew very well what we have done. And he knew very well what he is going to do. And for whom as well, by his foreknowledge. So when we say forgiveness, it is not refusing to take the wrong seriously. He take it seriously on his shoulder, for you and for me. That's why, as you said, if you are able to see what he has done and what we, he has offered to us, we are sitting at the table of the king the whole day, the whole life. We will see what we are going to offer is too minimal, too small of what I have received. As Mephibosheth did, he was able to sit and to see the greatness of sitting at the table of the king. Anything else is nothing. He was saying that this man was a lame, Mephibosheth. And he said also that this guy Ziba was a deceiver. He deceived his master, Mephibosheth, and he deceived the king. And at the end of the story, even King David was deceived and unfair. The three of them sitting at the table with their own different kinds of limbs. But all of them were able to sit in the same table. 
So if you are comparing yourself with anyone else saying, I am better, you are lame in a way. But see the greatness of the king who is inviting you to this table. Finally, forgiveness is not pretending that we are not hurt. Feel your pain. Express your pain. And to forgive, it doesn't mean that I am not hurt. It's to feel your pain, to express it to whom you believe that he can help you. In Hebrews 12, he is saying, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God he is telling us I know there is a pain but I know why I have endured this pain he didn't deny it and he was screaming on the cross and he was praying before the cross that it might be if he can pass over this chalice but he accepted for the set, for the joy that has been set before him. So please don't repress your pain. Express your hurt to people who are able to help you. Maybe your father confession or your spiritual guidance. Or sometimes you are in need for a real psychiatrist or psychologist. You have to express it by enemies. So these ten points, but forgiveness is not. So what is forgiveness then? First of all, to forgive, being aware of what someone has done and still forgiving them. I know what has been done to me. I know what bad things has been said about me or done against me. It says in Matthew 18, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants as he began the settlement. This man sat down and he knew. One of the major reasons you can't forgive because you can't forgive for what reason. I was discussing with a girl a few weeks, a few months ago, and she was telling me I can't come to church on a certain time. Why? She said I had a conflict with one of the priests who prayed in her church 17 years ago, and he is going every now and then to pray in their church. So I said, can you tell me what is the problem exactly? What happened that makes you upset that you are not able to go to church when he is there? She said, to be honest, I forgot what happened. But still I insist not to go. Do you think she can forgive? But again, to settle accounts with his servant as he began the settlement. I, know, I need to know, to settle with myself to say what I am going to forgive. Sometimes you feel that I don't feel comfortable with X or Y. Why? Normally said, I don't know. Sometimes we say it in a nice way, our chemistry is not working together. Why? We need to offer this forgiveness because forgiveness is being aware of what someone has done and still forgive forgiveness for, for him or for her. So if you can see it, then there is nothing. If you can see it, then you, you have voluntarily choose to offer this forgiveness. Forgiveness again is a choice to keep no records of wrong. Love keeps no records of wrong. Total forgiveness is not initially a feeling, it is a painful choice at first, but later we feel it and it is a good feeling. It is not easy. If you, you see any commands that the Lord is telling us to do it, from the first look it is not easy. But it is His power in me because I am sitting at the table of the King. If you can see yourself sitting at the table of the king, getting such great honor, everything else will be too big in your life. So when we say love keeps no records of wrong, we are saying it is painful. The choice is hard, but we are deciding with the help of his grace, with the help of his Holy Spirit, to take this decision. So please, again, we are not here to, to get more knowledge. We are here to receive this power, to make this painful choice. Maybe we were not able to, to make it for years, but we are here to make this painful choice, which is better in the beginning, but very joyful in the end. 
Forgiveness is refusing to punish. Sometimes you are in this dilemma in my mind. I want to see him or her in such disaster. I want to do this and this. This is the essence of total forgiveness. It is when we give up the natural desire to see them get what is coming to them. It is mine to avenge, I will repay. The Lord says three times in the Bible. Forget about punishment. Punishment. You can't punish anyone. And let me ask you one question. Just remember now any event in your life with anyone you are not able to forgive till today. What sort of punishment are you looking for to make you happy or to feel better? Let me assure you nothing. If you see him dead before you, it will never satisfy your hunger if you are seeking revenge and punishment. We'll see in a few minutes, maybe in the next talk, what happened is this man in, in Matthew chapter 18, after he had done all this settlement and he did all his accounts, he discovered he can't pay it. So what he did, he forgave. After he made the account, he had compassion on his heart through the work of the Holy Spirit, and he was able to let it go. By the way, the word forgive, afi'imi in Greek, it's something like this. It is in my hand, I let it go. It is not a matter of punishment or repayment or whatever it is, I let it go. Through the compassion of God, through sitting at the table of the king. Yes, yes. What about you? You don't really care. You don't really care? Yeah, like, you, you don't want anything bad to happen to them because you don't really care what happens to them. Yes. We'll see it in a minute, uh, uh, Stephen. Still, the command love. Uh, I, I love, it means I care. Not for the reconciliation, but at least for his or her best. He did something wrong. This we said we are not burning him, we are not excusing him or her, and so on. But still, the command: love your enemy, if even now he is my enemy. So, <laughs> again, let me go back to this story of Mephibosheth. If you are sitting at the table of the king, you can say it. Because you see everyone like you. You were so miserable. This Mephibosheth, he was born and he was lame since he was too young. He was forgotten. He has nothing to receive at all. He has nothing to offer and he has nothing to own. And all of a sudden, the king brought him and seated him at the table of the king. And he returned back to him all what his father and his grandfather owned. The king and the son of the king. If you see yourself in this status, you will feel sorry and you can't leave anyone not sitting at the table. So it's not a matter of it's a matter of being seated at this table. I can't leave it. I can't leave anyone not sitting in this table. Even if he's so miserable, I saw myself where I came from. I'm not we prayed every day, many times. I am the chief sinner. Is it real or are we lying to God? If it's real, then I can see everyone else is invited because he is better than me. So refusing to punish. Number four, forgiveness is not telling what they did. I'm not going to defame anyone everywhere because she or he did. Sometimes we say it in a nice way. Do you, do you imagine that he or she did this for me? So that's why you, our advice, tell your father of confession or a spiritual guide for a therapeutic reason, not for any other reason. Sometimes I'm going to say it to my father of confession just to defame my friend or my father or my son. Because I have been forgiven means I, I won't be punished for my sins and nobody will know about my sins. This is what I receive. When Christ forgives my sins, he, he is not going to defame me in front of others. And he is telling me I remember him no more. This is from Othello. He says, what steals my purse steals trash. It was mine. It is his. And he has been slave to thousands. But he that fleshes from me my good name, robs me of 
that which not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. So please, don't defame the one you are going to forgive. You will lose a lot. And he will lose a lot as well. And it shows there is no love yet. So when we are confessing, when we are expressing our hurt, as we said, and what is not forgiveness, we are not defaming anyone. And we choose the right people to speak to them. But again, are you sitting at the table of the king? Or you are still busy with your old life? You are here, but your mind is not. You are here, but you are not going to receive anything. You are in a good fellowship, or you are changing your place for a weekend, or whatever it is. Number five, forgiveness is being merciful. Why? Because I received mercy. I received forgiveness from him. That's why if I am not able to receive this, as we discussed last night, you are not able to give it. This man who was forgiven for the 10,000, he was able to, he was not able to receive a real forgiveness. If you remember, when the Lord was telling him, or the master, great master was telling him, he, give, he asked, give me time and I will repay you all. And as most of the commentators said, the money was owed, was too much to be repaid. He went home, the master said, I left it all, I forgive you for all. But his mind said yet, I'm going to pay it one day. The commentator said, he was not able to receive forgiveness, that's why he was not able to forgive for this 100. Please again, if you can't offer it, you, do, you are not able to receive it. You are falling to receive, you fail to receive this forgiveness from him. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show, be shown mercy. The merciful man does good for his own soul. Those who received mercy is able to offer this mercy. So to forgive is to be merciful again. Number six, forgiveness is being a gracious person. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This graciousness of the Lord, it means he is not holding anything against her. I am able to offer from the abundance I received, from what I have. Again, remind yourself with the table of the king. I think when you remind yourself with the table of the king, every single time you come to the communion, it makes a real difference in your life. I am coming, I am sitting at the table of the king. The miracle of all miracles. I am one planted together with Christ, as we discussed yesterday in Romans 6.5. Nothing else to be compared. Nothing can stop me from this kingly, heavenly table because I am not going to forgive anyone. Whatever he or she has done is nothing compared being in this heavenly table. Again, if you are not able to repent, if you are not able to enjoy this fullness of it, it is not rituals to be in the church on Sunday to have communion. You might get a condemnation if you are not repenting, if you are not receiving a proper forgiveness, if you are not taking this warning in Hebrews 10:26 seriously. You are not able to be such merciful or gracious person because you are living too far from the reality of this table. You are—it seems you are in the table, but the reality is you are too far from this table. Number seven, forgiveness it is an inner condition. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because it's a choice and decision inside my heart, inside my mind. I made it with the help of the grace of God. I made it with the help of the Holy Spirit because it is not natural. The natural man in saying, <laughs> but the new man in us is saying something different. It is an inner... Con I choose, I decided to have this new man in my life. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. 
and they divided his garments and cast lots in Luke chapter 23. So it is an inner condition. He, he is giving an excuse, not for what they have done, he is giving an excuse for the ignorance of what they have done. He said, forgiveness is not to excuse others. But Christ knew that what they were doing, they don't know. So to forgive, it is an inner condition. Again, maybe you are sitting this morning and you feel, why? I can't make it. One of the major <coughs> problems is we forget that the one who is in need for this forgiveness, who, who abused me in a relationship in any way, he was abused at one point and not healed. And if you keep yourself in the same status, not forgiving, you are going to abuse someone else. So please, stop this chain of abuse. Let me read, repeat this again. If you forget that this person who is hurting you, who are you, whom you are not able to forgive, he was abused in a way at one point and was not able to heal. He was not able to offer forgiveness to others. That's why he is abusing and hurting you today. If you recognize that now you have the right to stop this chain of unforgiveness, this chain of hurt, then the Lord is telling you, stop it. Stop it by the grace of God. If those who are in this cycle were not able to take this decision, it is your chance to change and to stop a chain of unforgiveness, a chain of hurt and pain in the life of many. Every abuser was abused at one point. Every unforgiving person was unforgiving at one point. We all are born in families where we supposed, but not happened, to receive unconditional forgiveness, to receive unforgiveness, unconditional acceptance, and unconditional love. None of us has received it. Why? Because we all, living in imperfect world, we are imperfect people, living with imperfect parents, and we are going to be imperfect parents. No perfection in this world. But only through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the work of God, things can be changed. These chains of unforgiveness can be broken. If you are still blaming whoever they are. I remember I was <coughs> sitting with someone for three hours and she was crying for a it's quite a strange cause. She was saying, I'm blaming my mom not to be uh, to ask for a divorce for my father because he was an abuser for her. And I can't accept it anymore. It is quite strange to see that people are crying to break the command. She was not praising her mom for her endurance. Maybe she, this mom accepted the abuse and she should stand for herself and for her child or her children. But still, this unforgiveness in, your, in her heart was not able to reconcile. She was trying to find out a way, an excuse for herself to sin and to abuse others. I was not born in a balanced family. I was not enjoying such forgiveness or love from my parents. It might be my case or your case this morning. But it's telling us it is an inner condition. It's a choice to break the chain of unforgiveness in my family, in my circle of friends, in my circle of friends at church, or wherever they are. Forgiveness, it is the absence of bitterness. This is a very important couple of verses in Ephesians 4, 30 and 31. And not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. The church fathers were connecting both together. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Why you are falling in sins more and more? Because the Holy Spirit is grieved. Why the Holy Spirit is grieved? Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger. Because of your unforgiveness, this bitterness is there, and the Holy Spirit is grieved. And because this bitterness and this unforgiveness, there is anger and wrath inside your heart. So when we forgive, it means we are not grieving the Holy Spirit anymore. It means my struggle against sin, my struggle or my daily warfare towards holiness become easier 
because the Holy Spirit is not grieved in me anymore. So you are stopping your victory by refusing to forgive, because forgiveness is the absence of bitterness. Some of us sadly are enjoying this bitterness for long. Forgiveness is to release yourself from bitterness. It is not for him or her. When we reject and we refuse to forgive, we feel that we are keeping hold of them or him. But you are keeping bitterness in your throat. He or she might not even remember what you are remembering now. So when we say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, it means I'm choosing to let this bitterness, wrath and anger away from me. Because again, if you remember now an, a certain event in your life, someone annoyed you or hurt you five or ten years ago, sometimes more, until today you can feel this bitterness. What he has done maybe took half an hour, sometimes a few seconds. But what you are doing today, you are extending this bitterness for five years, fourteen years. Who is the loser? It's you and me. This person who hurt you, maybe didn't remember, or he can't remember now what he has said or what he has done. The reality here, we need this absence of bitterness by choice. I choose to forgive, and I choose to take this bitterness, wrath, and anger away from my heart. Sometimes we are regretting our holy days. I remember I met a girl one day, she said, I, I regret my holiness or the holy, holy life I enjoyed during the university because I missed a lot. And now she has such bitterness. The reality is, is a deception. Some others are doing the same, the opposite. I, I regret my unholiness during my uni or during whatever age it was in my life. The Lord is telling us, as we'll discuss, forgive yourself. Offer forgiveness for those who led you to this strange ways. Because this bitterness is yours. And you have the right to renounce it. You have the right to say no more bitterness in my life. One of the major problems to forgive is I see God is very guilty. Why he left me with this person? Why he left me with this parent? Why he left me in this situation? And so on. So to forgive is to declare God's goodness. God is good. And this is our last topic. God has nothing to do with your pain. He has a lot with your own forgiveness, to give you power to forgive others, to give you the assurance that your sins are forgiven. But you have to declare it. For those who struggle with God's right to allow evil, and we all have done this, there still must be a genuine forgiveness on our part, for any bitterness grieves the spirit. If you have this grief and bitterness towards God, to forgive, it means you are declaring God's goodness. He is not the one who did it. It is my free will and his or her free will. God didn't send anyone in your life in this way to destroy or to hurt you. It was a mutual choice or sometimes one side ch choice. But it is the free will that we have. God is innocent of any blame or anyone can claim anything bad from him. He is of all, all goodness, as we will discuss it later. Finally, to forgive, forgiveness is to forgive myself. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, and this is our last talk tonight, this will be the whole talk, I know, and the second is like it, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you can't love yourself, you are not able to love your neighbor. And if you cannot forgive yourself, you cannot forgive your neighbor. So forgiveness is to forgive yourself. I know God forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. It's a claim in the mouth of, of many of us. I can't imagine I have done it. We discuss it in details uh, tonight because it is a pride. A worst form of pride. is see, I can't imagine that I have done this sin. It's pride. You need to forgive yourself and you need to humble yourself before the Word of God. 
Let me finish with you with the words of Elder Simpson from Russia. He says, the drunkard, the fornicator, the proud, he will receive God's mercy upon his forgiveness, uh, his repentance, of course. But he who does not want to forgive, to excuse, to justify, consciously, intentionally, that person closes himself to eternal life before God. And even more so in the present life, he is turned away and not heard. Again, the drunkard, the fornicator, the proud, he will receive God's mercy. But he who does not want to forgive, but if it is your status this morning, I don't want. Despite I heard what is forgiveness and what is not forgiveness, still I don't want. Again, the church father is teaching us, pray it as it is. Tell him, Lord, I don't want to forgive. Put the desire in my heart to forgive. And then after a while, you'll find God is putting this desire in your heart because He is faithful. Tell Him, I don't want, but I would like not to do my own will, but your will, as the Lord said. After a while, you'll be able to offer this forgiveness just verbally. Pray it as it is. Lord, I can, I, I proclaim, and I release this person from this grudge in my heart. But still, it's only with my mouth. I need to have it literally from my heart. And He will give it to you. All what we can do, remember what we discussed last night, the unity. You are not alone. You have the love of God the Father, the grace of the only good and Son, Jesus Christ, and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Please use the power you have. Use the honor of being on the table of the king. Make every liturgy, every time you have this communion. Lord, I'm not going home this time unless you change my heart, you change my mind, you change my attitude. I need this desire to forgive. I need this full power to see the greatness of sitting at your table. And I'm not going home as I came. I pray that this Two points. What is forgiveness and not forgiveness? Just open the topic, and we discuss it more in our in our uh, workshop. And we discuss the second topic: how to to offer this forgiveness, and how to be sure that I have offered a real forgiveness for others. May the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever and ever. Amen. Yes, Diane. You said two points.